Hey, Takeover Church, thank you so much for checking out today's message, whether it's on podcast or on YouTube. We are so grateful that you are here. We pray it blesses you and encourages you and that you will like, share, and subscribe across all Takeover platforms. We look forward to seeing you on Sunday. God bless. We love you guys. Thank you. Thanks, guys. I'm going to move this over here. Oh, there it goes. Yeah. All right. Cool. Guys, can you hear me? Oh, now you can hear me because it wasn't on. It's on now, baby. Ready to rock and roll. I am so excited to to be doing this. Obviously, this is um, this is not one of my natural giftings. I don't love to get up in front of everybody and, and do this thing, but I do recognize that it is something that God has called me into. Yeah. So um, I am very excited. And as we have been going into this new series. Who's excited about this new series, Sleeping Giant? Oh, yeah. That started us off so well last week. That was just such an encouraging and amazing, amazing message. And it has such relevance for the time that we're living in right now. And I know that he had started a series, uh, The Father's Heart, that we had a few messages out of. And then, like Scott said, we all went to this conference, all of our leadership team. It was 13 people. It was amazing. Um, it was never something we could have financially afforded at TakeOver, and somebody actually came our way yeah. to go awesome. and for our leaders to be just filled up, to be revived, to be spoken over, to be spoken into. And, and when we went, we got to hang out with some local churches and some not-so-local churches, and we got to hear very much the same experiences that other churches are having trying to engage the current culture. Yeah. And where we felt kind of like, I felt, I was like, you know, these are some of the things I'm dealing with, and maybe this is just happening here. We get to hear from other churches that it is happening for everyone. Yeah. Everyone is finding that they are all coming across the same things in their churches, trying to, again, engage with culture. And it was good to know that we're not alone, yeah. and they didn't just leave us there with just not being alone. They heaped encouragement on us, and they opened up these times of worship that were absolutely insane, where the Holy Spirit was flowing, and it was just incredible and mind-blowing. There was prophetic words that were spoken over us as a body. There was prophetic words that were spoken to us on an individual level. Yeah. There was even prayer for the impartation of gifts of the Holy Spirit, and yeah. it was just... It was what we needed. And we came back and we were revived and we were just on fire and we've just been carrying that torch and we we're so excited to be passing that on to yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. And like I mentioned, some of those things that we learned, like wanting to encourage us to engage in missions. We're, we're a tiny little church, but we have the heart to see the word of God taken to all people. And that begins with us just donating and giving and love to, to the veterans who, who there is such there's such pain and so, such brokenness and such loneliness for us to just extend that love and pour out on these guys yeah. and these ladies. It's going to be absolutely incredible. Yeah. And, um, you know, we have been talking about missions in the future. Allie is, has been on missions before and she was with me in the mission session. And we, I've already been speaking to an organization called Christ for India about how we can be financially supporting them. And eventually, Sending some of our people over there for short-term missions work. We would love, love, love to see that because who understands that there are so many people out there who need to be loved, yeah, yeah, yeah. who need to be loved, and we are in a position where we can do that. And, um, 
Okay, so with the title of Sleeping Giants, there's just, I'm a very visual person, so when Matt picked that title, to me, I was just like, that is so loaded. Because the idea of sleeping giants, the idea that we could be lulled into a pattern of sleeping and walking through life and accepting what culture is giving us is exactly where the enemy wants us to be. He wants us to be sleeping. He wants us to not know the power that we have access to. He wants us to stay in that place. And I think that over time, we can find ourselves in that place and not even recognize that we are sleeping, that we are asleep as culture is just doing its thing. And we are not upright, we are not engaging, we are not fighting that good fight in the way that we could be. We can do so much more, am I right? Is anybody satisfied with what they're doing right now? That's enough. No. No, shouldn't be, because there's so much more we can always do. The idea is always to be growing, always to be transforming, always engaging more and more. Does that sound good? That's right. All right. So this morning, I wanted to begin with a visualization. So we're going to start a little bit of music. Everybody, you can close your eyes. I'm going to slip into my movie voice. We're going we're to do a visualization this morning, okay? All right, here we go. It's early morning. The sun has hours to come up yet. A group of people are busy clothing you and prepping you for what is to come. They saddle you with a backpack that is heavy, but also secure. They're doing sound checks and light tests. They're making sure you look good for the camera. And when they are finally satisfied, as a unit, they rush you outside and onto a waiting helicopter. You board and soon you are flying up and over a great expanse of wilderness. As you are flying above and looking out, you feel yourself being fixed with yet another backpack with straps over your arms and around your legs. The deep, dark shadows below the forest begin to brighten into, from inky black to deep, dark, pulsating blue. The cold, crisp air is unlike any kind of air you have smelled in your life. The vista is beautiful, but it is also deadly. There are dangerous animals in this forest, jagged cliffs, poisonous vegetation, and unknown, unstable terrain. As you watch, you climb higher, and just as the sun begins to peak over the edge of the mountains in the distance, you are unceremoniously shoved from the helicopter, and you plummet to the earth below. Heart pounding, the wind screaming as it whips past you, the ground that seems so far away is racing up to meet you. The second backpack turns out to be a parachute that you remember to pull the zip cord on, and you are able to direct what would have been a crash landing into a graceful glide to the ground. You land on an open meadow. Huge trees, like a cathedral, reach up to the sky around you. Wildflowers sway in the high grass. The air is cool and crisp. Your heart begins to slow as the, from the rush of the drum. You hear far out roar of crashing water. You sense animals moving in the dark forest around you. So there you are, in the wild alone, with your backpack, and all you have to do is survive. All right. Who saw it? Who wet their pants when they got shot out? Okay, a few of us, a few of us. Zach's not really surprising. Um, all right, so here we go. Some of you are like, dang, is Bear Gorilla 
morning? Is he the reason that we're all here this morning? Are we preparing as church to go and apply for Survivor? Actually, no. I'm going to show you exactly how this applies. In the visualization that we just did, you were just dumped into this wild environment and you have to use all of the necessities in this backpack to procure food, to find water, to get direction on how to get back to civilization. And in the very same way, we are living in the wilds yeah. right now. Yeah. And instead of a survival kit, we have a revival kit. Come on. Okay? Okay? Let's go, baby. Come on. So, with that being said, the revival kit is for God's people waking up. Come on. God needs us to shake the scales from our eyes, use all of the things in our revival kit to reach a lost and dying world. Yeah, that's great. So when I was thinking of revival, because we've been saying that so, so much, because that is the pulse of the, of the church right now. Yeah. That is what we are all sensing. That is what we are all ready to lean into. And we need to equip ourselves so that we know how to reach people, how we know the tools that are available to us. We know what we have to do and what we have to say to get people to know the love of Christ. So when we say that this culture and this world needs a revival, a revival can mean like when somebody drowns and you revive them, you're bringing them back from the dead. Yeah. And the Hebrew word for revival, which I'm totally going to slaughter because I don't speak Yiddish, is like okay? We're just going to judo chop the devil in the neck this morning. <laughs> And it literally means to bring back to life. Wow. And we need that in our culture today. Yeah. Because our culture is, she is dead and rotting and stanky. She looks like she's been on, what is that zombie show called? The Walking Dead. Dead. She's kind of eyeballing it out. She's walking around like she's, she's all fancy, she's about the ball, but she stinks. Right? And we can all sense this. We can all see this. We see it trickling down. We see it in media. We see it in what we're watching on television, there is something very, very wrong right now. Yeah. And are you guys ready to open your revival kit and slap the devil in the mouth this morning? Oh yeah. Does that sound good? Yeah. All right, let's do it. So before we even get to opening the kit, we are going to step off from the visualization of what we did, which I mean, the visualization this morning, it was beautiful, right? Like, it was scary, but it was beautiful. You've just been like dumped into the wilds and, and there's this, this beautiful quality to it. Like Frodo in Middle Earth, just like going into one of these mystical forests, right? Yeah. That's not what we're exper experiencing right now. The culture is straight up Mordor. Okay. It is volcanoes, ash, the air is just, it smells like butt. You can hardly breathe. <laughs> there's such a density in the atmosphere that you can't even think straight. Does that sound like what we're dealing with right now? You turn on the news and it's just like, whoa, what the heck? You can't even tell it's true anymore. Yeah. So we're going to use our revival kit to figure out how to gauge what is real and what is not in the culture that we're living in right now. Oh, that's great. So before we even open up our revival kit, we are going to take a look at the landscape. 
You're going to take a look at the landscape and see what, you're, see what you're dealing with before you even get into your kit. Sound good? Yeah. So when I'm talking about things in culture that are there, it's hard to define what is true, not my truth, not your truth, but the truth, right? The truth of God. We are seeing and believing things that we should never, ever, ever, ever engage in the first place. And all of us have done this, so there's no shame to be recognized that there are so many things out there pervasively in our culture that, that parade themselves around as truth, that we have accepted at times. There's no, I'm not shaming anybody in this place. Culturally, the world at large is making anti-God proclamations like we've never heard before. Yeah. They are making proclamations about sexuality and gender, about the destruction of the unborn not being murdered, that the Bible is just a kind of cute old book that lost its relevance a long time ago, and that God is some wisp of a geriatric spirit that lives in the sky and just watches from above and doesn't really engage and is just a bystander. Wow. That is what the world at large would tell us, when in reality, God is the one who designed our sexuality. God is the one who created gender. We were created in his image. Abortion is murder. And that we have just come to casually accept, and God hates murder. His heart is broken yeah. for this. Yeah. The Bible is the holy word of God. It is for today, tomorrow, and forever. And finally, God is holy, and he will not be mocked. Yeah. Wow. He has not lost one ounce of his power, one ounce of his authority. He is God. Yeah. And our culture needs to remember that. So the first thing we've done is we've, we've noticed that our culture is in need of revival. We've noticed that she did. She needs to be brought back to life. She needs a revival. So the first thing we do when we open up our case, we take out our map and our machete. It's a dual action, okay? It's also known as the Bible, Holy Word of God, His truth, wisdom, and superior understanding breathed onto paper and given us for guidance and protection. Wow. In one way, it's an old book. It's beautiful. It has that old book smell. Oh, it smells so good. It's got those crinkly pages. It has all these notes written in the margins from previous people who have been through, lived through revivals, writing down encouragement to, to carry you forward. And it, but it is also a blade. It is sharp and powerful and still stained with previous spiritual battles. Wow. And it fits perfectly in your hand. It's formed right to the shape of your own hand. Wow. In 2 Corinthians 10 it says, the weapons of our warfare are not physical, weapons of flesh and blood. Our weapons are divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. We are destroying sophisticated arguments every exalted and proud thing that sets itself up against the true knowledge of God. Yeah. And we are taking every thought and purpose captive to the obedience of Christ. If you're not taking notes this morning, you're going to want to start because I got a lot of scripture. Okay. So you might not want to write down all the scripture, but just write down the little things because you're going to want to come back to this. This is your revival gate, y'all. Yeah. So write these guys down and you can come back to these. In Hebrews 4.12, it says the word of God is living and active and full of power, making it operative, energizing, and effective. It is sharper than any two-edged sword, penetrating as far as the division of soul and spirit, the completeness of the person, and of both joints and marrows, the deepest parts of our nature, exposing and judging every thought and intention of the heart. Wow. Not only is this, much I map, 
um, a guide for us to display the actual truth of God, the only truth, but it is a weapon to destroy that which is untrue and false. Yeah. So how do you use this thing? You learn it, you read it, it should not be foreign to you, you should be familiar with it and all of its contents. When the world begins to tell you that there is something other than male and female, you take that blade and you cut down to the bone of that issue and you find out what is true. In first Gen Genesis, in Genesis 1 it says, so God created man in his image, in the image and likeness of God he created him male and female. He created them. Culture says one thing, the Bible says another. We have the answer right here. When you need to know the truth about cancel culture being more important than understanding, giving grace, and forgiveness, the book and the blade work in conjunction to show you what is God's divine will for each and every one of us. Wow. In Ephesians 4.32, be kind and helpful to one another, tenderhearted, compassionate, understanding, forgiving one another readily and freely, just as God in Christ also forgave you. Does that sound like cancel culture to you? Oh, no. Does that sound like making a mistake one time publicly in your life, or maybe not so publicly, and being held accountable for that for the rest of your life? No. no. It doesn't. No. So when Hollywood begins to attack the idea of marriage and what that looks like, that there's such a thing as starter marriages, that you can have a wife but a girlfriend on the side, and all of this, if that is what is being portrayed in our culture today, if we crack open the Bible, we will learn that marriage isn't easy. It's not some Disney movie. It's hard, and it takes a lot of work. And if there's anything that we've experienced in culture, it's that we want a quick fix. Yeah. We want to do whatever we have to do that is the simplest, easiest, good for me, feels good for me situation. In Ephesians 5.33 it says, however, each man among you without exception is to love his wife as his very own self with behavior worthy of respect and esteem, always seeking what's best for her with an attitude of loving kindness. And the wife must see to it that she respects and delights in her husband, that she notices him and prefers him and treats him with loving concern, treasuring him, honoring him, and holding him dear. So good. So the number two, the second thing that we're gonna take out of our revival kit is a compass, which is actually the Holy Spirit. And this baby works in conjunction with the Word of God to guide us with a heavenly perspective. Wow. It gives us knowledge beyond our physical world, tapping into the spiritual, seeing behind closed doors, leading us out of harm's way, and even bringing about healing when we are wounded on the journey. In John 16 it says, But when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth, full and complete truth. For he will not speak on his own initiative, but he will speak whatever he hears from the Father, the message regarding the Son. He will disclose to you what is to come in the future. That doesn't sound like CNN. That doesn't sound like Fox News. That sounds like this goes down the one way, and there isn't something half-concealed, and it's only half-baked. This is 100% the whole deal right here. Yeah, that's good. The Holy Spirit works in equipping us supernaturally to fight a battle that is beyond what we are experiencing physically. Yeah. Does everybody understand yeah, that? So There's a lot more that's going on beyond our physical. There's so much that's happening in the spiritual. 
It says in 1 Thessalonians 5, do not quench, subdue, or be unresponsive to the working and guidance of the Holy Spirit. Don't tamp it down. Don't make it weird. The Holy Spirit is natural. There's naturally supernatural. That is what God has in store for us. That is what he wants us to be living in. We must allow the Spirit to move freely within us so that it can move freely outside of us and touch the world as we live, to wake up those sleeping giants. It will speak when we do not have words. It will empower us to heal. It will enable us to have the strength to press on when situations grow dark. It gives us direct contact and connection to the power of God, the dunamis ability. The third thing we're going to take out of our pack is flint, which in this case is actually prayer and worship. It just takes a spark to start a roaring fire, and your flint must always be tended to, checked often, and remain dry for it to work properly. It is precious to be used constantly and without ceasing to create fire that spreads warmth and light, to be used as signaling and communication and keeps away the dangers lurking in the dark. We are called to pray always, to be using prayer as a continual builder for our relationship with God. Telling him how grateful we are for him and what he's doing for us through worship and prayer, how holy he is, and how much we need him in this wilderness. That is what prayer is. Philippians 4, 6 says, Do not be anxious or worried about anything, but in everything, every circumstance and situation, by prayer and petition and with thanksgiving, continue to make your specific requests known to God. Prayer is the flint and kindling, and the kindling is the world, upon which the old world will burn and the new world will emerge. We need to be doing this consistently. We need to know how to pray. We need, we need to know how, we need to know and believe how powerful prayer can be. It's not just some cute little thing that we do. It is so important. It is so powerful. Does everybody know how powerful prayer is? That's why we make such a big deal about prayer and praise, because we believe the things that we are praying for. And we believe that God is hearing us and that heaven is being stirred up and that we are going to see a move and a praise on the other side of that prayer. Yeah, come on. What is really important when we're praying is also to be praising. Yeah. When we are coming before God and we are, we are praying, we need to remember that He is the one who's being glorified on the other side of those prayers. Yeah, come on. He is being glorified when He's moving and miracles are flowing and healing is coming and their restoration is taking place in our hearts and our marriages. He gets the glory for that. Yeah. None of us. Not a man or a woman yeah. or a preacher or a deacon. It is God. It is God who gets the glory. He is the one who is moving. Come on. In 1 Thessalonians 5, it says, Be unceasing and persistent in prayer. And that's what we have to do. It has to be that natural to us. We're using it all the time. The fourth thing we're going to pull out of our revival kit is actually a tent which comes from the covering that comes from being in community and submitting to authority. It keeps out the wet, it is highly resistant to climate, and it provides you with protection. And this is something that we all need. Being at church, being consistent at church, 
giving God a few hours of your week, being at babe crew, being at team nights, that is so, so crucial to this journey. Wow. We all need this, yeah. especially in a year where they told us we could not gather. Right. We must come together. Come Jesus wasn't rejoicing when churches weren't able to come together. Right. It was the enemy that was slapping his little tootsies because his people weren't coming together, worshiping, weren't lifting up their voices, weren't praying over each other, weren't prophesying over each other. We did the best that we could, but we must come together. We yeah. must come together. We must be in community. In Galatians 6-2, it says, carry one another's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the requirements of the law of Christ. That is the law of Christian love. Some people are like, oh, I love God, I just don't like people, so <laughs> I'm just going to stay home and do church by myself. Not a thing. Actually, um, it, there's no way in the Bible, no place where it's described that church is just you at home um, with your Bible or, you know, a YouTube or something like that. We are called to be in community with one another, yeah. and it goes beyond this place, like Jody said this morning. We have crews, we have things that are happening where there is time for you to put down roots, time for you to get to know your sisters and brothers. This is a tribe. Yeah. That's what it's meant to be. Um, the indigenous people of America really understood what a tribe was. It isn't out of pity that we help somebody move or we bring you a meal or we do that. It's because we're a tribe. Right. We're together. We're, we're covering each other's um, blind sides. We are, we are a tribe. We're a family. Yeah. That's what that's meant to be. It's not some weird, hokey thing. You know, some people make it weird. Some churches have made it weird. That's not the case at Takeover. We love and we love deeply, and our heart is present and available for everyone to see that what what pours out of our hearts. Yeah. We are a tribe. Come on. Um, when you're in the wilds and you're not in community, you twist an ankle and you start to get weird. You know, you start letting some addictions settle over your life that you don't even see as addictions. That if you were in community, you would have the covering that you need to see what that is, wow. and to draw it out. Yeah. Come on. Yeah, um, when we talk about Radiant being a part of that network, and I know it's not something that we've really talked about a ton, it's that there's these amazing churches that are out there that are further down the line than us, that just want to provide a covering for us, that want to provide authority over our lives, over our little baby church, so we're not out in the wild just getting devoured by wolves. Like, right. they have the covering that we need to have. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. So that's what we need to have when we come into this place when we gather. We are a tribe. We are God's people. Community is for everyone all the time. It will support you, cover you, encourage you, and help protect you. And we must all be submitted to authority and have people in our lives who help keep us accountable. Yeah. So good. Not always comfortable, but that's how a tribe functions, is that we keep each other accountable. 1 Thessalonians 5.14 says, We earnestly urge you believers, admonish those who are out of, out of line, the disciplined, the undisciplined, the unruly, the disorderly, encourage the timid, who lack spiritual courage, help the spiritually weak, and be very patient with everyone, always controlling your temper. We must be willing as an individual to be open and transparent, to confess when there's garbage going on in our lives, to confess when we need help, to ask for that help. It takes courage. Yeah. And it's not something where we're just going to sit there and it's going to fall into our lap. That'd be great. Maybe that's in the movies. That's not in real life. You have to engage. You have to have forward motion 
for God to move and for people in your community to come around you. There's a good chance that you can come here and you can be shy and we will still just draw you out. That's great. That is all, not always the case for churches, unfortunately. Some churches are so big that it's hard to do that. Always be looking yourself on how to engage others and how to be drawing out your sisters wow. and your brothers. Yes. The fifth thing in your revival kit is water, which is the gospel of Christ that never runs dry. The only living waters that can quench our thirst and save us from drying out in a desert that is filled with mirages, where we are drinking from streams that are flowing from idols that are actually poisoning our lives. Wow. Recognizing that we are drinking from something that is not the gospel of Christ, that is not that living water, can be so crucial in stopping and turning and waking up. Waking up those sleeping giants. In Ephesians 6 it says, And having strapped on your feet the gospel of peace in preparation to face the enemy, with firm-footed stability and readiness produced by the good news. I am moving out of the Amplified, by the way, in case you hadn't noticed, there's a lot more words here. But it's so, so good. The gospel gives us that firm footing, yeah. but also the ability to speak into the lives of those around us yeah. who are perishing in the wilderness. We have nothing to fear. We have nothing to fear. We don't have to fear fear social criticism because that's not real. That's not as real as God being glorified in the situation, yeah. as people being shook and wake up and the scales falling away, and us seeing what that looks like for a person to walk in power. And we all want to walk in power. Am I right? Yeah. Our willingness to take the gospel of Jesus out in the world is the only thing that will get this revival started. Yeah, come on, good. So we have to take our revival kits, and we have to use them. Because we can't use them as a pillow anymore, because we're sleeping on this. We need to wake up. Come on. On this question time, when was the last time you shared the gospel? You don't have to answer this question. Think internally. For some of us, it's been a hot minute. For some of us, it's been a very, very long time since we shared the gospel, either because we feel socially uncomfortable, or we are afraid of being judged, or any other list of reasons why. We need to actively be sharing the gospel. Wow. We need to be engaging with people in a way that they know that there is something different about us. Yeah. At work, if they're asking, you know, in this last year, what is something that you're, is like a silver lining in the year that was 2020? Are you sharing that your roots went deeper with Christ, that you're grateful for your church community, that you are just so, so grateful for what God has done for you? Yeah. Is that what you're sharing? Or are you sharing, well, I got to work on my lawn, and my lawn, look, my, the backyard's looking great. You know, you have these chances, even if they make you uncomfortable. Because I totally understand that. I get that. I work in a corporate environment, and that's uncomfortable. People know that I'm a pastor. And they know that I talk about Jesus very openly. And that's not to brag on myself. And it's not to say that I don't feel nervous sometimes, because I do. Because some people will straight up reject that. But rejection by man is nothing compared to acceptance by God. Yeah. His acceptance and his love for us, and what he is doing, how happy he is to see us actively walking in his Holy Spirit and sharing that gospel. 
they are rejoicing in heaven when they are seeing this happen. Another question might be that we have people in our lives who don't even know that we're Jesus followers. Might not even know. And we need to, like I said, be engaging in the world in a way where there's something different about us. And we need to be looking for those areas where we can let people know that we love Jesus so that when crap hits the fan for them, they know that there's a, a safe place to come. Where there's a believer who has firm footing, who has, has no fear when it comes to what God can do and what this world cannot do. We need to let the people in our lives know that we love Jesus. Yeah, we need to let ourselves be used by the Holy Spirit. If we are being asked to financially bless someone, yeah, we might not have the most, but we might have more than this person. God needs us to step out in faith and financially bless this person so that they can be touched by God. Yeah. He works through us. He works his miracles through us. Miracles are worked. Some miracles happen like manna, they just manifest, but most miracles in the world today are worked through God's people. Yeah. And God's people being obedient to the Holy Spirit. So the question this morning is, do you have the courage to stand firm-footed on the gospel as the torrential winds and downpour of culture tear at you and try to blow you away? You are not weaponless. You are equipped with a weapon that is greater than any handgun, any AK-47, any life-ending grenade launcher. You are equipped with a weapon that cuts right down to the soul and spirit. It cuts through what we see and into what we don't see. Yeah. It is a weapon that is both physical and spiritual. It is for the tearing down of the towers of Babel and the tearing down of the walls of Jericho. It is mighty and to be feared. And the worship team wants to make their way back up here. I'm going to pray this morning before I finish up that you would all be, that I can pray that you would be imparted to know how to use your revival kit. Yeah. That you would know the gifts and the callings that Jesus has for you. That you would walk with the nobility that you are granted through Jesus Christ. At this point, we have surveyed the land. We can see that she's messed up. We can see that there are dangers left and right. That there, we are never going to make through this through this thing alone. We see what we're working with, and we see the kit that is laid down before us. We see what God has given us to make it through and to see him glorified in the world at large. And we might be looking at all of this, and we might say, what is this all for, ultimately? What is all of this for? How does this come together in a way that will change culture, that will change my work space that will change and challenge my neighbors that will change and challenge me to transform into what god wants me to be and this is the exact definition of what your revival kit is for and it's found in ephesians blessed and worthy of praise be to the god and father of our lord jesus christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heaven in the heavenly realms in christ just as in his love he chose us in Christ, actually selected us for himself as his own before the foundation of the world, 
so that we would be holy, that is consecrated and set apart for him. Purpose-driven people. Purpose-driven. Not sleeping giants. Purpose-driven and blameless in his sight. I'm going to skip ahead a little bit. It says, He made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, with his, which is proposed in Christ with regard to the fulfillment of the times that is the end of history, the climax of the ages, to bring all things together in Christ, both things in heavens and things on the earth. Unity is the end of the story. Unity is the end of the story. It is the climax of the ages that we would be brought together heaven and earth in unity. And how else are we going to get the word out there? How else are we going to get that unity established if we are not taking that gospel out? If we are not carrying that torch out? We have to be doing this. It goes on to say, and this is this is honestly my favorite part, in him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the good news of your salvation, and as a result believed in him or stamped with the seal of the promised Holy Spirit, the one promised by Christ as owned and protected by God. The Spirit is the guarantee, the first installment, the pledge, the foretaste of our inheritance until the redemption of God's own purchased possession, his believers, to the praise of his glory. You were created to glorify God. That is why you're here. You were you were created to be a bass drummer. Maybe that's a part of your calling. You were created to be a nurse. You were created to give glory to God. That is first and foremost why we are here. And I love this section of scripture so much because it talks about the Holy Spirit. How we are stamped and sealed by the protection of God. By, by having this Holy Spirit present in our lives. Is that good news? Yeah, come on. So good. They're so, so good. It is a foretaste of the inheritance to come. That All of that is what we have received and we are called to pass on to others until the climax of the ages where we are united in heaven and earth. Yeah, that's that is the Great Commission. That is the revival that this world needs to see. You are equipped and you must know that this is what you are called to do. To see revival out in our world, we have to be engaging with the full kit. We can't just be using the hatchet. We can't just be using the Holy Spirit and not the Bible. We have to be engaging with everything that has been supplied us. Yes. Now when we look into the depths of the wilderness around us, we know that we are not alone. We've been sealed by the Holy Spirit. In the end, God's goodness will prevail. The victory is already ours. God has already won, right? So the end is already written. All we have to do is be faithful with the time that we're given here on earth be engaging in the way that he's calling us to engage. We are recognized by the kingdom of 
darkness, but we are surrounded and covered by the kingdom of light. The kingdom of darkness knows that we are here, knows what we are here for, and wants to lull us and those around us into that sleeping giant slumber. He has more for you than you can ever, ever imagine. God and the Holy Spirit are gentlemen. They're never, ever going to force our hands. They are waiting for us to pick up what they've given us and to go out there and to carry that torch and to spread that gospel. Take into your hands the weapons that God has given you. Step out in courage for Christ. Take up that sword and flint and let's go. Come on, come on. If you all want to stand right now, we're going to go back into a moment of worship. And if you would close your eyes and bow your heads. Maybe this is the first time that you're hearing about Jesus. I doubt it. But if it is, I want to give us a moment to do that salvation prayer. So if this is the first time that you've heard about Jesus, if you want to dedicate your life to him, if you want to re-dedicate your life to him, nobody looking around, just you and me, Lift your hand right now, and we're going to pray together. Is there anybody in this place? I see that hand. You are not alone. I see that hand. Anybody else? Anybody else? Jesus, Father God, Lord, we are so grateful to be in this place. Lord, we are so grateful to be equipped. Jesus, when we were left out in the wilderness by the turn that this world took, after what happened with Adam and Eve, Father, when this wilderness for the first time. You didn't leave us out there stranded. You didn't leave us out there weaponless. You left us out there with your Holy Spirit, with direct communion and connection to you, with your word. Father God, with that sword that cuts deeper than sinew and bone and cuts to the soul and spirit, Jesus, with that gospel, with that covering, with that flint, you did not leave your people weaponless, Jesus. And we thank you for that right now. We ask, Father, that if we have fallen away from you, if we need to rededicate Jesus, that we do so right now. You are the God that is worthy of all of our praise. There is nothing else, Jesus. There are idols and they are filled with poison. You are the only well that quenches that thirst that we have for God to know you, and to know heaven, and to know your good and perfect will. In Jesus' mighty name. And lastly, I want to pray that if you would like an impartation of the Holy Spirit, if you would like to know and to see God's gifts more heavily in your life, to see that fruit, I want you to raise your hand right now, and I'm going to pray with you an impartation of giftings. Get your hands up, people. Alright, that's good. That's good. This place is full of hands. People want to experience that impartation. Jesus, right now, I just pray for your Holy Spirit to rise up in this place, Father God. As a person who speaks in tongues and who, who engages with your Holy Spirit on a daily basis, Jesus, right now, I just impart to your people a greater portion, a greater portion of healing, a greater portion of speaking in tongues, a greater portion of courage, Jesus, to go out into this world and do what we are called to do. A greater portion, Father, 
of all of the prophetic right now in Jesus' name. Be it through dreams or words of knowledge, Father God, right now. I just pray for an impartation of your Holy Spirit fire on every single one of your people right now. In Jesus' name, we give you all of the glory. And God's people said, Amen. Amen.